0: About two years ago, when I was stationed in a small town, I was dispatched to a rural neighborhood with very few houses. The dispatcher told me that it was an old lady who claimed that she heard footsteps in her attic while she was in the kitchen. These were her exact words, I'm hiding in the storeroom on the first floor right now. Please hurry, the footsteps are getting louder and something up there is crying. This might sound crazy, but I think there's a ghost up there. The dispatcher told me this exact story, and when I reached the house, I went straight to the storeroom on the first floor, after some searching, and got the lady out of the house. At the time, police cars were sent off in squads of four, so me and my buddy went up to the attic while the other two escorted the lady to the car as she was in shock. So we went up to the attic and we heard all the sounds she was saying, and we turned on our flashlights and we saw it. It was a goddamn ghost, like for real, no kidding. Nope, we saw a ghost for real, no BS, for the first time and all those stories always leave a vague possibility of it being explained by science, but nope. This was a real ghost just walking back and forth and crying. So we shot it. Dispatch, calls over the radio. It's a woman in distress saying how she is being whispered to by some ghost. I was thinking in my head the entire time that ghosts weren't real. I eventually arrive at the residence and enter. The house was a total shithole. Disgusting. That's not the point. What really matters is what she called in for. She explains to me how she hears this like whispering coming from nowhere. As she lives alone. I looked around and there was nothing. So I leave. Later, we get a call from her, which is a surprise, and we have to return. We go back, and I bring my assistant in this time, because I'm not doing this alone again. We walked in and she was crying. We go and look around and hear a thump. I'm not kidding. This time the old lady is gone. Gone, we were freaked out, and we started whispering. I ask my partner if he needs spare underwear like I do, and he says no. I need tree fitty. At that point, we left and went back to our patrol car. We go back to the station and tell them what we went through. I had a call to a residence for a mental evaluation or a 5150. Anyways. I get there and speak to a 50 something year old woman, who states her 20 something year old son is under the influence of an unknown drug, and keeps repeating that he can't go to his bedroom because there was an old man hanging in his room. She stated that she was too afraid to enter his room and investigate it for herself because he frequently brings over friends who are drug addicts, and she was unsure whether his claims were true or not. I then go speak to the son who is clearly under the influence of a stimulant. He goes on to tell me that he was told by a spirit to not enter the bedroom, because his father, dressed in his military class A uniform, was hanging in his bedroom. I checked the room out, and of course, there was no body hanging in the room. As I'm in the middle of explaining to the mother that there was no body in the bedroom, a veteran officer arrives on the scene to assist me. He pulls me aside and states that earlier in his career, he responded to this residence, and in that same bedroom, he had to investigate the suicide by hanging of an older male subject. He didn't remember all the details, so I looked it up in our report management system in my patrol car and sure enough, the officer was correct. The subject who died was a World War II veteran and had dressed in his military uniform and hung himself. In my mind, I always thought that when they purchased the home, possibly this incident was disclosed to them. However, I thought the mother would have mentioned it to me if it had been disclosed to her. She was genuinely concerned about her son and the allegations. A friend's father is a police officer in one of the larger villages in Illinois. He and his partner were working the night shift when they were called to investigate a suspected break-in at the local morgue. They arrived to find the custodian waiting for them out front. The custodian said that he'd been mopping one of the corridors and had seen something move in his peripheral vision. He looked up and saw a person quickly cross from one side of the hallway to the other. He couldn't tell much about the person as he'd been turning the lights off as he worked his way through the building just a dim outline, but enough to be sure of what he'd seen. He was unarmed, so he called the police and stepped outside to wait. My friend's dad and his partner entered the morgue. They started off by calling out to anyone who might be inside, no answer, then began to do a sweep, walking down the central corridor with their hands on their guns, checking each room to the side, occasionally calling out for any intruder to show themselves. My friend's dad came upon a room with the lights off, pitch black inside. He fumbled for the switch and flicked it. The room lit up. Nothing but an empty waiting room for relatives of the dead. He heard his partner call out, Hey, stop. Turn around. My friend's dad swung back out into the corridor, and his partner had unholstered his gun and was pointing it at the end of the long corridor. He said, She went around that corner the custodian said she's trapped there's no exit that way they had the custodian lock himself in the waiting room for safety then advanced down the corridor calling out to the woman to show herself that they wouldn't hurt her this time my friend's dad reached the end first and with his back to the wall peered around the corner the woman was standing by a big gray door the lights were off here too so it was hard to see her clearly but he could see she wasn't holding a gun and had long, fair hair. He stepped out from behind the corner to talk to her, but she opened the door, disappeared into the dark inside, and shut it firmly behind her. He sprinted up to the door and pulled at the handle. Locked. I banged on it for a while and called out to her, but there was no answer. The door had a deadlock on it, so his partner brought over the custodian to unlock it. They turned on their flashlights to see better. The custodian rounded the corner and faltered a little. This door? You sure? This door doesn't lock from the inside. The custodian found the right key and carefully turned it in the lock. Click. We're coming in. Have your hands up. They entered the room, flashlights illuminating every corner. The custodian hit the light switch and the room lit up. It was empty except for some equipment against the wall and two gurneys in the middle of the room. One was empty, and one was covered in a sheet with what appeared to be a body underneath it. Nice hiding spot. My friend's dad approached, and it was the smell that first spooked him. It smelled like a corpse. He pulled the sheet down and there the woman lay, straggly light brown hair all around her face. The tag on her toe said she'd died four days ago. The friend's father is a devout Christian, does not believe in ghosts or the supernatural, even now, and doesn't know what to make of this event. (coughs) My uncle is a cop in a pretty sleepy town. He used to always go to the cemetery and take naps in his cruiser. He told me how, one night, he was awoken by a sound, and it startled him. He looked out the window and saw a weird glow coming from about 30 yards away. He kept looking, thinking maybe his sleepy eyes were playing tricks on him, but it remained. He decided to go check it out, and as soon as he got out of the car, the glow disappeared. He still walked towards the general vicinity, which was a group of gravestones to investigate. He didn't see anything strange, but just as he was about to walk back to his cruiser, He realized the gravestone he was standing in front of had his last name on it. He said it completely freaked him out and he ran back to the car and locked his door. He admits it is likely just a weird coincidence, but he also said that was the last nap he ever took on duty. My mom was a police officer. She tells the story of an old woman who called the police almost weekly complaining that there was a ghost in her house. They'd go in, check it out, and tell her they couldn't find anything. One day, one of the guys on her squad gets dispatched to this lady's house. He busts in, worriedly, and asks if she has a two-liter bottle. She nods back solemnly with wide eyes and empties out a Coke bottle she had. I'm going to have to ask you to wait outside. It could get messy. She runs out to the front porch. The cop walks upstairs, lights up a cigarette, and blows the smoke into the two-liter bottle. He chills for a minute or two, then comes running out of the house, triumphantly holding the smoke-filled bottle, screaming, I've got the ghost. I've got the ghost. He threw it into the back of his crown Vic and sped off. They never got a call from the lady again. I was a police dispatcher for a couple of years waiting to get picked up by the FAA, and we had a similar story. This older guy that lived by himself way out on the fringes of the county called in about once a week during the mid-shift, scared to death of the aliens constantly scanning his house through the windows. So finally, one of the younger deputies drives out on a slow night and helps the guy put aluminum foil on all his windows. He said the guy's house was a nice little place in the woods, very clean, and the guy wasn't the stereotypical disheveled crazy old man. He was just convinced aliens could scan him through his windows and foil would stop it. I had a friend who was in the force, and he told me that once a lady called him and said that her husband was trying to communicate with her from the other side. He didn't believe her. But he still went. So when he arrived, he said that when the lady said something and he said he didn't believe in ghosts, he heard a scary sound and throughout the day he felt his head was spinning. This kept going for some days until he later decided to go back with the lady and they hired some paranormal investigation people who filmed the ghosts and it was on TV. I think I have the YouTube link around somewhere. I will look for it. So they found the ghost and then they did like a ritual to kill it, and my friend said that after three months of having those headaches and feeling his head spin, he stopped when the Spritty died. I am not a believer in this, but it makes you question and reminds me of a quote from a book I read the other day. Your beliefs will be the light by which you see, but they will not be what you see, and they will not be a substitute for seeing. Flannery O'Connor, Mystery and Manners, Occasional Prose One time, when I was a kid, a cop came to talk to our school. I live in El Paso, Texas, which is not a small town, but there's not much to do here. We all asked a cop what the weirdest story he'd ever had here as a cop in his life. He said that one time he got a phone call that there were people on the top of the roof of someone's house. They wanted to check it out and there was no one there. Later that night, another call for someone else on the top of someone's house. They went to check it out again and no one was there. Finally, by the middle of the night, they were getting a bunch of phone calls from different locations around the city that there were people on the rooftops of their houses and they didn't know how to handle it because it was the middle of the night. Then finally, they got a phone call from Fort Bliss, a military base station in our city, telling them to ignore all those phone calls because it's none of your business. He told us that that was by far the craziest night he ever had as a cop. I was a dispatcher in my early 20s for a rural sheriff's office, and I got a call from a man wanting an emergency protective order against George W. Bush. He told me the FBI instructed him to call us for the protective order, and when I asked how the FBI had given him this information. He informed me they were parked across the road from his house and sending messages through the static on his television set. I was new to dispatching and had never gotten such a call when I went back to the report room to tell the two deputies in house about the call, they immediately got up and paid him a visit. It turned out he was suffering from some hallucinations, but he wasn't a danger to himself or others, so they couldn't put him on a psychiatric hold. Their visit did make him feel safer though, and we never got a call on it again. As much as the stories in this thread can be titillating for readers, the heart of each story is that there is a person in need who is reaching out for help and a compassionate professional who can investigate and provide reassurance and or solutions is exactly what they need. I was sent to a residence where an old woman was upset that the ghost that lived in the attic was listening to the music too loudly. She wasn't upset about the ghost, just that his music was too loud. I had heard of other officers going there before and just talking with her and shrugging it off. When I got there, I met with her on the porch. She was a sweet little old lady who couldn't hear Wheel of Fortune or whatever was on TV because of the ghost music. I didn't hear any music but figured that since she did, I ought to do something. She had one of those attics with the old school door you pull down that has stairs on it. I pulled that down and crept up the stairs slowly, just in case there was a homeless person sleeping up there or something. When I finally got half my body up into the attic, I looked around and found no one or nothing. I asked her if she still heard the music and she said she did. Not knowing what else to do, I loudly said, this is the ex-police department. I am here on a noise complaint. The homeowner requests that you turn the music down as it is disturbing her. I stood at the top of the stairs-slash-door thing for a few, then looked back down at her. She stood there looking at me unchanged, then suddenly smiled. She said, oh, thank you so much, young man and walked into her living room. I climbed down and closed the attic. She turned her television on, smiled again, and thanked me again. We haven't been called back there since. I still stop in once in a while to see how she is, though. She said that the ghost is much better now about his music, but still plays it loud from time to time. Just not enough to warrant calling the police. I like my job. I have a front row seat to the greatest show on Earth. Not dementia, just humans in general. I called the cops once for suspicious people in my office building. It was about 11 PM. The building was a huge 200 year old house. Anyway, I heard the front door open and people walking up the stairs. No big deal, I'm locked in my office working. Except that the footsteps never stop, it sounded like a line of people, one at a time, climbing to the top, then to the attic pot above me which was not finished and absolutely frightening. I called the cops, tell them my story and ask them to come up. The fire escape directly to my office. Two cops show up in my office. We stand quietly. We all listen and the steps continue up, up and into the attic. One cop says, holy S how long have they been coming in? I tell them in 20 minutes. I told me to exit through the fire escape and wait in the adjacent parking lot. They called for backup, and all these cop cars arrive at my location with no lights or sirens. Over the radio, I could hear the first two cops making a move out of my office door, which opened directly at the top of the steps. All clear, they said. The attic door is open, going up. Over the radio, we heard what the F. The cops with me rushed to the building, and I could hear a load of shuffling feet and slamming noises. Soon all the cops emerged and said it was nothing. They walked me back in to get my stuff and instructed me to go home for the night. They wouldn't tell me why or what they found. About a year later, at the end of my lease, I asked the management company rep if the place was haunted, I won't tell you it isn't is what he told me. My uncle used to be an officer, and one night while out on the beat, he received a call from an elderly couple out in the Boons. So he and his partner went to check it out. When they got there, they approached the elderly couple's house very nonchalantly because it was the Boons and they figured the couple had called in some kind of animal report. Nope. The couple had called in a report of strange chanting noises coming from behind their house by a bayou. Well. My uncle said, I'm using his own words here, no way am I going near a goddamn bayou at two in the morning, to which his partner replied, fine, stay by the elderly couple, they'll protect you. So, as I recall, the partner walked off to the bayou and was gone for roughly three minutes before he screamed for your uncle. They didn't find anyone there, but they did find a small voodoo shrine with a freshly killed chicken. My uncle and his partner kicked the shrine and the chicken into the bayou and told the elderly couple that they just saw a gator in the water and that it was probably the gator using a mating call. From what my uncle told me, they booked it right the goddamn hell right out of there and never went back. Not exactly a ghost story, but paranormal nonetheless. Not me, but a paranormal police story. In my town, a northern suburb of Chicago, there was a woman who would call police, insisting that there was a violent spirit in one of the upstairs bedrooms in her home. After the second time the police showed up, they decided to play along. One of the officers waited with the crazy woman outside her home while the second went upstairs and pretended that he was fighting a ghost. Knocking into walls, cussing, knocking stuff over, the whole nine yards, Then he told the woman that the spirit left through the bedroom window and that she should keep the window shut to keep it away. The dumb old hag never called again. I was a 911 dispatcher for about five years out of school. One night, I got a call from a lady at a residence in town. 911, what is your emergency? Is this the police? She breathed. She was freaking out. Heavy breathing, trembling voice Eve taken many calls like this, and from the sound of her voice, this was not going to be a routine call. I sat up straight and my heart started to pump faster. Yes, mom, what is your emergency? There's someone in my house, she trailed off, very breathy and genuine, but not loud and freaking out. Okay, are you located at, house address? Yes. I dispatch the cars to start heading over to the address, and I don't give a reason yet. Okay, do you know who this person is? Well, no I don't, I think it's... it's. I know this sounds so crazy, but I think that there's a ghost in my house. She begins to sob and sounds so scared. There are noises, and I know there is a ghost in the other room right now. At this time, The sergeant asks me the reason of the call and why I sent him and two other cars without explanation. Normally you'd send one car to something like that. It's suspicious activity, I told him. What activity, he demanded over the radio, a fair question. Sir, the caller is claiming there is someone in the house and she believes it to be a ghost. Silence on the air for about a minute. Ten to four is all he said. By the time they got there, The ghost was gone, and the poor lady was a freaked out mess, and she kept apologizing for calling us, but it was real, she kept repeating. The officers later told me that her sincerity actually freaked them out a lot and when they searched the house guns drawn even they were scared. We used to get calls routinely to a house in town where the lady was absolutely certain her house was possessed by a demon. I have seen her draw pentagrams on the floor, set up candle displays, and other things to get rid of demons. Up to and including a Catholic priest doing an exorcism of the house. One day I show up and she's telling me how it's progressed and she can smell the demon, all I smell is natural gas. I stopped her from attempting to light her cigarette, pushed her outside, shut the oven off, and called for fire to vent the house. Soon after this, I finally convinced her family to place her in a facility. I had a guy who was convinced the CIA and Homeland Security rented all the apartments around him and were coming through the walls at night to whisper in his ear and plot to kill him. He went there almost every day for two weeks before the VA decided to house him in their mental ward. I recently had an old man, 89, call and was convinced the aliens were talking to him through the fire sprinklers. Upon talking to management, he found out his wife had died in the last couple of months, after some 60 plus years of marriage. It was a sad deal, you could tell the loss of his lifelong partner had completely broken his mind. Luckily, the family was already involved and got him into a solid care facility. Overall, though, people should have no need to invent monsters. They're all around us. paramedic slash volunteer fireman here we covered a town in the middle of nowhere we got a call from woodchuck city as we call it which is a trailer park with all of the chaos you'd associate with an alcoholic meth scene but without the alcohol and meth they were just lazy crazy seventh day adventists the call was fnrp found non-responsive with slash weak pulse so we rushed out there These are usually overdoses or strokes, so time was important. I got there and when I came in there were four or five adults, all wearing their church clothes, black pants, white shirts, women in blue or gray gowns, which threw me off because it was about two in the morning on a weekday, their Sabbath is Saturday, I think. I kneel down next to her and feel her wrist, cold as ice. My guess is that they're wearing their clothes because they knew she was dead, and the minister was on his way for last rites or something. The paramedic with me asks if we should defrib, and I shake my head and try to verify there aren't any vitals. Nothing. Their dog starts growling at me, and I'm thinking he doesn't like me touching her. I ask them to get rid of the dog, and he starts howling. Then the dog just stops. At the very moment the dog stops, A light blows out, and the dead person sits up, says make sure, victim's sister, gets the hell out of her place, and slowly lays down. My partner and I are freaked out, as I was certain that the woman was dead, but nobody else is. My partner starts going through, checking to see if I messed up. Nope, still dead, though the skin is changing slightly. We call in the coroner, who has to come out from the other part of the county nearly 40 minutes away. The sheriff radios in and says they'll be a few minutes, as a tree has fallen on a cabin a few miles away. She later found out they had called the sister, and she hadn't taken two steps out of her place when a tree fell on her cabin, totally destroying the bedroom in which she slept. I don't know if it fell directly on the bed, but, at that point, I didn't want to know any more about anything that happened that night not that i think anything paranormal was at work here but it certainly wasn't normal what i saw my mom and brother called the police for what turned out to be a paranormal reason a few years back we still have no idea what exactly happened that day i was staying at my mom's and had a terrible hangover. So I decided to take a nice stroll to the small wooded bayou that was visible from the house but was far enough away that sound wouldn't really reach if you yelled. I ended up sitting by the water on a log since it had been raining a lot and everything was muddy with my back to the woods, just enjoying the wind, flying birds and water sounds. 10 minutes later, I heard angry yelling and turned around to see my brother running my way with a baseball bat. My brother's a very non-violent guy, So seeing him looking that pissed off scared the crap out of me. When he got closer, I realized that it wasn't me he was running at, but someone in the woods. He told me to run to the house and lock the doors, the police were on their way. Once home, my mom was by the door in hysterics, saying she tried to call my cell to warn me, but all she got was cracking static. My phone was fine in my pocket, and we later tested it and concluded nothing was wrong with it she says that she saw a large pale man staring at me from the woods as i was sitting she tried my cell over and over to no avail then went outside and yelled and whistled in my direction but the wind carried the sound away by this time my brother heard my mom panicking and saw the man also as he grabbed his bat the man seemed to disappear in the foliage only to crawl out of the woods on his belly like a large pale lizard heading my direction By the time I turned around, the man had slithered back into the trees. When the cops got there, they searched the area thoroughly but didn't find the man. In fact, the only footprints they did find were mine, my brother's, and their own. They thought that maybe all my brother and mother saw was a large bird or shadow that they perceived as a man from a distance. They both insist to this day that there was a man crawling out of the woods in the mud and sneaking up on me that day. I don't know what to believe. Not a cop, but I called them on it. I was driving around 2 am, I should tell you, I'm an alcoholic and haven't had a drink in a while, and being as bad as I am, it's very possible to hallucinate or seizure. Dangerous, I know but I was driving in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, I saw a naked man in the middle of the freeway on the left side. I live in the United States, so he was walking towards me on my driver's side, wearing only a cowboy hat and walking a dog. I thought about it and thought I had to pull into a gas station and get booze as I didn't want to be put in a detox center for a few days or locked up or whatever. But I figured I'll call them anyway, since it will be hard to find me since I'm in the middle of nowhere. So I call and tell the lady everything I saw. She asks me where and says please hold on a minute. I'm thinking oh, they think I'm nuts, here it comes and I'm thinking how the F I'm going to get out of this one. I tell her I was driving all night and working all day, so I could just be tired, and she assures me, don't worry, you're not going crazy, he's been reported. I tell her, thank Christ. I thought I was losing it and she laughs and says that a few others thought the same since it was so random. So yeah, no ghost or losing my mind, just some messed up dude. I wonder what his story was, but I ain't stopping to talk to that dude. It seemed a routine matter when police received calls from motorists that a car had veered off the A3 with its headlights blazing. But when officers went to investigate, they found no sign of the vehicle. Indeed, it appeared to have vanished. A further search was ordered, however, with chilling results. A wrecked car containing a man's skeleton was discovered 20 yards from the reported crash scene and buried in twisted undergrowth. Its lights were off, the car's battery had long since died, and the body was badly decomposed. Surrey police said yesterday they believe the crash happened in July this year and that the driver's body had lain undiscovered for five months. Motorists are now wondering if what they saw was a ghostly apparition of the original crash on the Portsmouth to London Road at Burpham, near Guildford, Surrey. The driver has been identified as a 21-year-old man, last seen alive in London on July 16th. A police spokesman said, The family have been informed and confirmed that they reported him missing in July. We do not yet know why he would have been traveling in Surrey. His identity was established after checking the registration number of the E-registered Maroon Vauxhall Astra. Police were withholding his name last night. It is understood that they wished to carry out an official identification using dental records. Surrey police were called to the scene at 7.20 p.m. on Wednesday after reports of the accident were phoned in. When they arrived, they found nothing, and it was not until officers began poking around in the undergrowth that they discovered the car, nose down in a ditch, impossible to see from the road. A police spokesman said last night, we believe the car left the road and ended up in the ditch surrounded by trees and undergrowth during July it doesn't appear that any other vehicles were involved. It was then the summer months and the car was covered by the trees and undergrowth. Although it was only 20 yards from the road, it could not be seen and there were no footpaths close to the spot. The car had obviously been there for a long time, and thousands of motorists would have passed the spot every day. Although the car was not clearly visible, it is possible people may have seen it and just not thought to report it. Sergeant Russ Greenhouse of Surrey police added the car was discovered as a result of a report from members of the public who thought they saw a car's headlights veering off the road. The officers could not identify that collision, but they had the presence of mind to search on foot and they found this car. I used to regularly be called to a house by a man who had lost his wife. He was suffering from dementia, and so he would often report her missing after having gone out looking for her. She had died about one year before he started ringing, which I had attended, ironically, and apparently dementia can be brought on by sudden loss. So I would go and I would sit and ask him about his wife and what she looked like and where he had seen her, and he would tell me all about her and what they had done that morning. Sometimes he would conclude himself that she was dead, which was hard. Other times, I would call his kids over, who were adults, and they would keep up the charade till he went to bed. He would forget the next day. I never had the heart to tell him outright that she was dead again. He would lose her all over again, and it would be heartbreaking. He died about a year ago, about two years after her. I always think of them together now. I'm not a cop, but about seven years back, when I was still in elementary school, we used to have these neighbors who lived next to us. My little sister was friends with their daughter, and everything was fine. From our kitchen window, we could see their whole yard. On one evening, my mom was making a meal and noticed it was my sister, her daughter, the neighbor, and one other blonde girl. Nothing seemed out of the norm until she talked to the neighbor's mom. She asked who was over because they seemed to be having fun, and the neighbor was confused because she thought it was only my sister who was over. They then approached the two little ones and asked who the blonde girl was, and they were just as confused as the neighbor's mom. Everyone was confused and frightened, especially my mom, who saw the ghost. To this day, she can describe the girl that she saw with them. It kind of gives me the creeps. My friend lived in an old Victorian house from the 1800s, easily the oldest house in a town of 70,000 plus people, complete with a bowling alley in the basement. I was walking through his house with a friend while he was having a house party. We go to the top floor, which is basically a carpeted attic, and start looking around. I'll never forget this feeling. There are old black and white pictures from the 1800s hanging on the walls of little kids and creepy old people. We both start getting this innate sense that someone is watching us. We haul our asses downstairs. I asked my buddy who owns the house if he's ever seen anything paranormal in his house. He looks at me with the straightest of faces and says, yeah man. I kid you not, at least once a month I'll wake up at 2am on the dot in a cold sweat. Last year, I woke up at 2 and looked at the end of my bed to see the outline of a figure standing at the base of my bed, I noped out of that house and haven't been back since. Luckily, he sold the house last year. When I was a cop, I did a lot of part-time uniformed work at a huge medical company. They had a large off-campus office that needed to have the alarm turned on every night. After working there for several years, I went to arm the building. There were no cars in the parking lot, and a conference room off of the front entrance had a light on, so I turned it off and walked towards the alarm panel. I was head walking about 100 feet towards the alarm panel when I heard a brief creak, then a huge slam. The ceiling tiles above me even shook, I look back and the door to that conference room is shut. The door was open when I went in to turn off the light and I hadn't touched it at all. The room had one glass wall. I shined my light in, but no one was in there, I'm sure there's some reasonable explanation, but it really creeped me out. My aunt is a police officer. They got a strange call once she was dispatched as she gets to the house and knocks on the door. The guy answers wearing a tinfoil hat. My aunt starts to speak and he hushes her and beckons her to follow him inside. She follows him in and he leads her into the living room. Sitting on the living room floor are bags upon bags of cat litter. He sits on the pile and tells her that the cat litter is fuel for the mothership and he's hiding it from them. The tinfoil was so they couldn't read his thoughts. My dad is a police officer, and he recently told me a story from before I was born. He and his partner are patrolling in a rural town. A call comes in from an old lady saying that a group of men in white hoods are walking up and down her street. Now, being in England, the clan would be an unusual sight, so my dad, thinking this would at least be interesting, and another car drive to the street as fast as they can, from opposite sides. The two cars meet at the street, which is a dead end, with none of the men in sight. But the paranormal aspect is that my dad swears that around 30 to 40 cats were just wandering in the middle of the street. All of the residents were out, and none of them knew anything about the cats. I never called the cops and it's probably my eyes playing tricks on me. I came home one day, and there was a shadow behind the nightlight of a person, and as soon as I saw it, the shadow ran. I looked at the light since I figured it was a bug or something, but there was nothing. I looked to the left and the shadow was just standing to my left. There's low light, but he's clearly visible and runs to his left. I followed because I thought it was interesting that my mind was creating this shadow person. I followed it downstairs to the basement and it disappeared. I said that was weird. And right then it got weirder. My dad's friend's kids were visiting us from the UK. They said that the shadow that's running around is weird too. I kept a straight face, but I was thinking, WTF? I asked them what shadow? Apparently, it's been following them for years. So five years after my first encounter, I see this shadow in broad daylight. Standing around just watching me from the corner of my eyes several times a month. Anyway, I don't believe that stuff, so I know it's just in my head. Maybe not a ghost, but when I worked at a dispatch center, we had an old lady who would be told numbers that she would have to tell us. She was super religious too, so these were not numbers to play on the lottery. She'd call in, whisper I got the numbers, then go off with a string of them and ask if we got them too. On slow nights we'd humor her, but if we were busy we'd think of one she hadn't said and say wait, I got a 34. She'd say she had to figure out where it was coming from and not call for hours. She also had issues with her stove hood, not the whole stove, just the hood, being belligerent towards her. We sent out a deputy, he gave it a nice talk, and that problem stopped. I was a 911 dispatcher, so I know that I've sent officers on a paranormal call. I answer a call from a lady with a heavy accent. The first thing she asks me is, is witchcraft illegal? I thought I heard her wrong. I asked her to repeat herself. Again she asks, is witchcraft illegal? I think that she's yanking my chain a little, so I answer, I guess it depends on the spell. What's going on? The lady tells me that her neighbors are witches and are performing a spell. She says, completely seriously, if the officers get there and shine their lights into the apartment, the neighbors will turn into bats and fly away. I don't know if she's crazy or what, but I sent a couple of officers there for what I entered a suspicious activity type, reported witchcraft. When the officers get there, I wait anxiously for a few minutes. What was the witchcraft? I needed closure, so I asked my cops what was up. It was just a bunch of people playing beer pong, and no one turned into bats and flew away. I was mightily disappointed. That's not a legal witchcraft at all. I am a 911 dispatcher, not a cop. I'll always remember Mr. Blue, we'll call him. A nice old man living in the middle of the desert he was tagged in our system as having dementia, we used to take calls from him nearly every night, about how his wife's dolls would come to life and torment him, or how his wife was kidnapped by them, might I mind you, she passed away. So it seemed that every time he would call was right around my shift, and I just so happened to be the one to take his calls most of the time. It was a little creepy being on the phone with him at times, he would randomly shush me, And you could actually hear footsteps. Or he would explain that there was somebody living on his couch that he could hear laughing, nice old man, and you never want to deny them. So I'd stay on 911 with him and talk to him about his life until the deputies arrived. Mr. Blue doesn't call in anymore, and I have no idea what happened. the cops were called out before us to a domestic because neighbors in this shithole government subsidized housing complex in the ghetto reported screaming and banging now this place is notorious for being in one of the worst neighborhoods the city has to offer and is riddled with drug dealers and guns and prostitution and human trafficking so for somebody to actually report a domestic it has to be a bad one the cops get there first make a scene then nope right back out of the apartment, and call EMS for a psych patient. My partner and I don't get told any of this background information, we just get sent for a psych call and told PD is already on scene. We drive up, park the ambulance, unload the stretcher and jump bags, and double check that all doors and compartments are locked because we know from experience that there's about a 1 in 5 chance that someone will try to bust in and steal drugs while we're upstairs. We walk into the stairwell and there are four cops waiting for us. These are all cops we work with regularly and drink with on our off time, and they are all experienced officers with years of experience dealing with the ugliest things this bad neighborhood can produce. And they are literally, physically, shaking. I ask them what's going on, and one of them, Chalk White, says, there's a possessed guy upstairs. I realize the officer next to him is clutching a rosary. So I'm pretty agnostic at this point in my life, and my partner, the Baptist, really just goes to church a couple of times a month because his wife thinks it's important for their children to be brought up in the church. Neither of us are diehard Irish Catholics like you see commonly throughout police and fire departments even here in the South. So we laugh it off. The officer gets angry with us and says that this guy upstairs has been acting oddly for weeks, according to his family, Mexican immigrants, no idea if they were legal or not, and about 30 minutes ago he started screaming at them that he was going to eat them, that he was being dragged back to hell because he had broken the agreement, and then started begging Maria Immaculata, the Virgin Mary, to save him. They tried to restrain him, but he was too strong. Then he started foaming at the mouth and putting his hands into the holy candles they have on their shrine to the Virgin, and started screaming in a language none of them recognized, at which point their neighbors called. I rolled my eyes at all of this, because this is not the first psychotic break call I have worked on, and because all of these symptoms are completely typical of that. I was not surprised the man would claim to be possessed as Catholic mysticism has an extremely strong influence on the immigrant Hispanic community in our city. I have often picked up dead SIDS babies that the family has draped in medals and rosaries, or old men with obvious marks of self-flagellation. It's just part of working in the barrio, and it stopped freaking me out years ago. I say something to that effect to the cop, and he looks at me like he wants to throttle me. He says, I know, don't you think I've seen that, too? I'm telling you, this guy locked himself into the bedroom, and we could hear multiple voices in there with him. We broke down the door and he was on the ceiling. My partner and I both blinked at that, but honestly, it was late, I was tired, he was quitting smoking, so he was bitchy, and so we asked the cop if there were weapons involved. He said no, we said fine, we're going in. We walk up the stairs and into the apartment with the cops trailing very far behind us. The kitchen is full of wailing older women clutching various photos of Mary and candles to their chests, and terrified children huddled in a corner. My partner, whose Spanish is better than mine, asks a few questions about medical history and drug allergies, then tells one of the relatives that this man is very sick but we will take good care of him. She tries to tell him he's not sick, but my partner reassures her that everything is okay and we are here to help. The whole time this conversation is happening, the guy in the bedroom is screaming gibberish so loudly the walls are literally shaking. Someone is burning incense in another corner of the kitchen, and my eyes are watering from it. The cops are in a little knot in the doorway, shoulder to shoulder. I start to walk towards the bedroom, and one of the officers says wait, walks over, and drapes his rosary and St. Michael's medal over my head. I'm a tiny woman, so it's huge and hangs almost to my belly button. It chimes off of my badge every time I move my head. My partner and I stand by the bedroom door and have a very quick discussion of the plan. Go in, verify the safety of the scene, make a brief attempt to verbally calm the man down. Then if that is not successful, tackle him to the ground have the police help us restrain him, and sedate him if we feel it is necessary. We have both done this dozens of times, sometimes just the two of us without police backup, so we are honestly not that worried. We open the door and walk into the bedroom quickly but calmly, our hands visible, and my partner politely addresses the man by his name and asks how he is feeling today. The bedroom is lit by a single small desk lamp. The man is crouched in the far corner, head down, and when my partner says his name, he picks his head up. The way he did it was disturbing, completely lacking in self-awareness, the way a dog will when you call it. He moved just his head and neck, his shoulders stayed hunched. Again, severely mentally ill people sometimes move this way, so I was not surprised. My partner asks again how the man is feeling and if he would talk with us for a minute. The man smiles and says something harshly in Spanish that I don't catch, so I ask my partner what he said. My partner says, God himself will not recognize you when I am done with you. Okay, so that was slightly more articulate than the usual threat, but again, I've been working in the ghetto for six years at that time and have been threatened far more explicitly than that, so I'm not really rattled. I do say, I think we should just take him into custody, And my partner nods in agreement the man stands up at that and i see he has been clawing at his face there is blood and foam running down his chin and bare chest when i tell this story people often say oh he had rabies but very angry people often hyper salivate and foam he smiled at us again and looked at me and said in english that trinket won't help you and gestured to my chest i assumed to the rosary When I glanced down at it, he rushed us. My partner and I took him to the ground, and he fought with the crazed strength you only see in the mentally ill and people high on PCP. We shouted for the cops, and they rushed in and dogpiled him. My partner wiggled out of the mess and drew up the medications. He then walks around the pile looking for a good injection site, walks by the guy's head, and says Jesus Christ and drops what he's holding. The guy abruptly stops struggling, gives this horrible deep belly laugh, and says, look closely so you don't forget. I asked my partner if he was okay. He doesn't answer, but he does pick up the medication and sedate the guy. We got him on the backboard, we webbed him in, carried him down the stairs to the stretcher, and got him on oxygen. He is quiet now, and not really struggling, but still murmurs to himself from time to time. The entire group of wailing women follows us on our way down and out. My partner is white as a sheet and isn't talking to me at all. We load the guy into the ambulance, get a round of vital signs, and one of the cops explains to the women that we will be going to the hospital and they can have an officer take them there. Another officer jumps in behind us in case we need assistance restraining. I turn to ask my partner if he wants to ride it in. And he just shakes his head and goes to the driver's seat. The guy is quiet the whole way to the hospital. Normally I would chat with the officer, but he didn't want to talk. He kept his eyes glued to the guy and a hand in his holster. We got to the hospital, dropped him off with the ER nurse, and my partner excused himself and said he was going to the chapel. I almost went after him but decided to leave well enough alone. I wasn't really shaken up, honestly, but I was worried about my partner, because he doesn't spook easily. I went and cleaned the ambulance myself, got us both a cup of coffee, and went to find him. He was kneeling in the chapel and praying. I waited until he was done, handed him a cup of coffee, walked him back to the ambulance and, when we were safe in that warm, brightly lit little space we always debrief in after calls, I asked him what was wrong. He looked at me and said, His eyes were wrong. They weren't human. I waited a moment, but he didn't say anything else. I said, as nicely as I could, dude, I think you just got rattled by everything. I know it was freaky, but it was just a bad psychiatric call. You know how those are. He shuddered, looked at me, and said, I know what I saw. They were wrong. I've never seen a psych patient or a dead person or anything else with eyes like that. And then he told me never to speak of it again. I was talking to our local news reporter, a small town newspaper, and we got on the topic of Bigfoot. She was telling me about how she and her husband heard strange howls from the bush. Did I mention we are a small town? And they were quite queer. Dogs barking, branches snapping, and the yells the yells. I thought she was just funnin', having a lark. I started chuckling, or chortling? I'm a heavy guy and I forget do big guys chuckle or chortle? And she shoots me this dead serious look, so I smarten the heck up. She's telling me about how her husband tried to calm the dogs down but they wouldn't stop barking at these strange yells. She is dead serious and then she says she called the cops. Dead serious I called the cops to check it out. I don't want Bigfoot around here. What if our dogs go missing? Surprisingly, the cops come, have a brief look around, and go on their cop-like way. She was livid that they did not investigate further, with guns, and flashlights, and hounds, and long stakeouts, like in that movie with Emilio Estevez, what was it called again? Oh yeah, the mighty ducks. At this point, I know she is serious. No leg pulling, no fun dead serious. I nodded, smiled, looked at my wrist, and said it was time to go. She's middle-aged, has a family, and still believes in Bigfoot. Life in a northern town, I guess. Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe for daily stories. We at Horror Den of Misfits really enjoy this, and your support would be appreciated.